0: book of Romans chapter 8. The truth is that no condemnation now hangs over the head of those who are in Christ Jesus. For the old spiritual principle of life in Christ Jesus lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin and death. The law never succeeded in producing righteousness. The failure was always the weakness of human nature. But God has met this by sending his own son to live in sinful human nature like ours. And while Christ was dealing with sin, God condemned that sinful nature. Therefore, we are able to meet the law's requirements, for we are living no longer by the dictates of our sinful nature, but in obedience to the promptings of the Spirit. Carnal man sees no further than carnal things, for the spiritual man is concerned with the things of the Spirit. The former attitude means bluntly death. The latter means life and inward peace. And this is only to be expected, for the carnal attitude is inevitably opposed to the purpose of God, and neither can nor will follow his law. Men who hold this attitude cannot possibly please God." But you are not carnal but spiritual if the Spirit of God finds a home within you. You cannot indeed be a Christian at all unless you have something of his Spirit in you. Now if Christ does live within you, his presence means that your sinful nature is dead, but your spirit becomes alive because of the righteousness he brings with him. Once the Spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives within you, he will, by that same Spirit, bring to your whole being, yes even to your mortal bodies, new strength and vitality, for he now lives in you. So then, my brothers, you can see that we owe no duty to our sensual nature or to live life on the level of the instincts. Indeed, that way of living leads to certain spiritual death. But if, on the other hand, you cut the nerve of your instinctive actions, by obeying this Spirit, you will live. All who follow the leading of God's Spirit are God's own sons. Nor are you meant to relapse into the old slavish attitude of fear. You have been adopted into the very family circle of God, and you can say with a full heart, Father, my Father, The Spirit himself endorses the inward conviction that we really are the children of God. Think what that means. If we are his children, then we are God's heirs. And all that Christ inherits will belong to all of us as well. Yes, if we share in his sufferings, we shall certainly share in his glory. In my opinion, whatever we have to go through now is less than nothing compared with the magnificent future God has in store for us. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own The world of creation cannot as yet see reality, not because it chooses to be blind, but because in God's purpose it has been so limited, yet it has been given hope. And the hope is that in the end, the whole of created life will be rescued from the tyranny of change and decay, and have its share in the magnificent liberty which can only belong to the children of God. It is plain to anyone with eyes to see that at the present time all created life groans in a sort of universal travail, And it is plain, too, that we who have a foretaste of the Spirit are in a state of painful tension, while we wait for that redemption of our bodies, which will mean that we have realized our full sonship in him. We were saved by this hope, and let us remember that hope always means waiting for something that we do not yet see. For whoever hopes when he can see. But if we hope for something we cannot see, then we must settle down to wait for it in patience. The Spirit also helps us in our present limitations. For example, we do not know how to pray worthily, but His Spirit within us is actually praying for us in those agonizing longings which cannot find words. He who knows the heart's secrets understands the Spirit's intentions as he prays according to God's will for those who love Him. Moreover, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to His plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. For God, in his foreknowledge, chose them to bear the family likeness of his son, that he might be the eldest of a family of many brothers. He chose them long ago. When the time came he called them, he made them righteous in his sight, and then lifted them to a splendor of life as his own sons. In face of all this, what is there left to say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not grudge his own son but gave him up for us all, can we not trust such a God to give us, with him, everything else that we can need? Who would dare to accuse us, whom God has chosen? God himself has declared us free from sin. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ Jesus and Christ died for us. Christ also rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble, pain or persecution? Can lack of clothes and food, danger to life and limb, the threat of force of arms? Indeed, some of us know the truth of that ancient text. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we win an overwhelming victory through him who has proved his love for us. I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, neither messenger of heaven nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high nor a power from below, nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.